belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for September 17th, 2023 is called Known Values. The teacher is Laura Holland and the location is Clapp Auditorium, Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Hi. Hi, good morning. Um, my name is Laura Holland, and I am really excited to be here today. And I'm going to back up a little bit. So as we've already heard this morning, we are talking about values as we are going through the series of known learning about the stories of our church and knowing more fully who we are as a community. And then when we um, move next week into our table groups, that's where we're going to get to really know who each other is personally. So there are two pieces to that, but we're still focusing right now on who we are as a church. And I sat down to think about values, which I voluntarily signed up speak today. So there's that. But you know, have you ever been asked to define a word? And you find yourself thinking like, man, I know what this means. I use this word regularly in context. And I'm pretty sure I use it correctly. Pretty sure. Like, I, I can give you examples. I can probably give you counterexamples. Like, this is not what this looks like. So we should be able to define it, right? I should be able to define it. Turns out I can't. So I had to turn to Oxford Dictionary because values was very much a word that I could not on my own come up with a clear, concise definition of what this means. So Oxford Dictionary told me that values um, are a person's principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. Okay, so these are internally understood measures. This might be part of why it's difficult, because values isn't just a word, it's a concept. And it is a concept that since it is internally understood, is going to look different for each and every one of us. I was feeling a little bit better about myself for not being able to define it on my own, but I still need to do a bit more searching. So I found that if you Google definition of values, they first try to make it singular, which is not super helpful for what I was going for. But then they want to know further questions. And it's really frustrating when I'm looking for information and Google's like, hold the phone, few more few more things that we need to clarify here. So they wanted to know if I wanted the definition of values for sociology, values for ethics, personal values, or my favorite values in life. So I started there. And I figured that was maybe our most basic. And here's the, the definition that I found there. I'm going to read it directly. Values are the things that you believe are important in the way you live and work. Okay, good so far. They should determine your priorities. And deep down, they're probably the measures you use to tell if your life is turning out the way you want it to. For a definition that contains a lot of caveats, 
there are a lot of shoulds deep down. Like anything that's like deep down, like are we seeing it? Is it living up here too? Yeah. So a lot of caveats. We're essentially saying this is a collection of guiding principles. So now we know that it is an internal measure that is a collection of guiding principles. So this is another reason that really defining values can be tough. Because values are guiding principles. So it should stand to reason that they guide our behavior. And they do, sometimes. It would also make sense that our guiding principles inform the measures that we use to decide if something is good or bad, right or wrong, something we should do or not do. And they do, sometimes. Sometimes they're just deep down, right? Like sometimes that's where they're living. So when we're talking about our personal values, this is hard enough, right? But because these measures are internal, they're personal, they're deep down, when our behaviors miss the mark and do not align with our personal values, no one else is living inside our head. So honestly, if we're missing the mark, maybe not great, but like there is some wiggle room there. But when we're talking about communal values, we all know what we have told to each other what is important, what our principles are, what our judgments are based on, our standards of behavior. That wiggle room, for better or for worse, does not exist when we're talking about communal values. And not only do we know when we've missed the mark, but those outside of us also know when what we say we value, what our values are, do not align with what we're doing. When our Values are so deep down as a community that what's up here just does not look the same. So it means then we're learning that not only is values hard to define, but also a really tough thing to live out. But because of this, when I sat down to like move beyond, hey Google, could you please tell me what values are? When I moved beyond that to thinking about more I couldn't think about communal values yet. I needed to start, start smaller. I needed to start with my personal values. And so I thought through some things that we value within my family. So if you'll bear with me as I share some of those. Most nights as we're putting our kids to sleep, we say the same prayer over them. And we say, dear Jesus, thank you for Charlie and Eli. We pray that you give them sweet dreams, that they grow up to have thick skin, soft hearts, open minds, that they know and they love you, and they know how much we love them too. And this ritual prayer, this repeated prayer, reveals the things that Tim and I have determined are the most important in our parenting and in the life of our family. These are the principles or the values that we want to guide what our family does. So we value thick skin because it's important not to assume offense. And it's really important not to be quick to anger and to not take to heart those things that we know not to be true of our character. We can get really bogged down in those easily, especially because we also value soft hearts. So these things don't necessarily always easily go together. 
but we want our hearts to be broken for the things and the people that God cares for. And we prize empathy, and we want our eyes to be open to those things in the world that are a whole lot easier to overlook or just pretend like you don't see. We want our hearts to be soft for those things. But we also want open minds. We want our kids and what we are modeling to them to show curiosity. Humility is important. And we want them to know that there is space in our family for growth and for change and for firmly held convictions to be reconsidered, to think about those things, and to be able to know that they can do this, being confident in our unshakable love for them, and most centrally, we want them to know and to love God. That is the foundation of everything that we want our family to, to do. Also, quite frankly, this repetition is not just good for our kids, it's really good for us because we need these reminders because these values aren't easy. It is not easy to not be quick to anger and to notice those things that you want to overlook and just to live this kind of life. These are aspirational. These are things that we are hoping we are modeling, but some days the honest truth is like kind of like when I was singing, it'll be a joy to say your will your way. I am like working myself into it being a joy to say that because maybe that's not true most days, but I want it to be. I sincerely want it to be. So I would imagine that your, fam your family also has these repeated values, these things that you say either through a prayer, a motto, kind of a poster on the wall. You see that, you know, the rules of our playroom are. Um, you, you probably have these things that are coming to mind. I had a coworker who shared that his guiding principle was a play on something that we were often told as a team. As a team, we were told that a change of pace plus a change of place equaled a change of perspective. So he was like, mm, yeah, that's all well and good, but what I hold dear is that a change of venue plus a change of menu equals a change within you. And so he would walk around saying that, and I mean, it was funny, but also he knew the importance of stepping outside of your safety bubble. He knew the importance and the value of sharing a meal with people. This was a man whose life was mission-centric. So his actions aligned with what he claimed, even his funny, you know, guiding principles to be. I had another friend who claimed that she wanted to wear out her welcome. And that quote was based around the fact that she and her husband noticed one day as they were going inside that their welcome mat was threadbare. And it was threadbare because they had welcomed so many people into their home. And at that moment, that became their shorthand for each other. We want to be a, a family, a place that is welcoming others in to the point that we've worn out our welcome mat. Literally, we've worn out our welcome. And then Tim's favorite is from a pastor who shared that his family held fast to the idea in Jack Handy's deep thought, I'm gonna quote here, make sure I get it right. If you ever drop your keys into a river of molten lava, let them go because man, they're gone. So again, leaning into these funny, somewhat ridiculous things, but it reminded his family of the importance to not hold on to things and ideas 
to the point where they're dangerous or harmful. Sometimes, man, you've got to let them go. And this was something that they were able to lean back on. I mean, they could quickly, you know, the couple that were out, they're welcome. When they're having these agreements like, or arguments, are we letting these people come over? Like, I don't know, this is out. They're able to say, we determined we were going to wear out our welcome. And so that reminded them what they had decided were their guiding principles, what they were going to use. And these are just a few of the shorthand reminders that I've come across of um, people's personal values that they've held. And I think that it speaks to the um, power of repetition because I didn't have to think too hard to remember other people's guiding principles because it was shared so much that like they stuck with me. There is something to the idea of repetition. And this isn't a modern idea either. We discussed earlier this summer that the Israelites were given a set of values to guide their way. Our shorthand for them, if you will, is the Ten Commandments. We often talk about them as a set of kind of ten rules, you know, a set of rules, but really, more accurately, they're a collection of principles that were intended to guide the behavior, to guide the judgments, to guide the people of Israel while in exile and beyond. Because the Ten Commandments express the value of respecting and honoring God and others. That's kind of the whole thing. So we're looking at being honest. That is living out respecting others. You look at honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. That is showing honor and respect for God and ourselves. Being a good neighbor in all of the specific ways that we are doing that, that is showing respect and honor for others. Jesus reiterates this when he is asked, which of these is the greatest commandment? And he answers by saying, you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus took this more fleshed out version and he distilled it to those two primary things that were already the undercurrent of everything. He didn't create this fresh. He's like, this is the bottom of everything that we've been doing. But because sometimes we do need it to kind of expand again, say like, okay, well, what does this look like? We have the example of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, or the Sermon on the Plain, depending on which version you read, also P-L-A-I-N. I was talking through this with Tim to, to prepare, and he was like, hold on. Got it, got it. Because he thought I meant like Sermon on the Airplane, which culturally, not, not the thing, but Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, where Jesus goes back again and expands, but he's expanding on the idea. Love God in everything that you do and all that you are, and love others. He just gave us some specific examples of what that could look like, because there is power in repetition. Likewise, there are repeated ideas at grace that reveal what we care about most and the values that we hold and that guide our practices. These are the practices that we're probably, we should be expressing by our mission, those things that we are doing, those things that we are saying, and the aspirations held within our vision. Those things like, it'll be my joy to say. Like, 
this is what we're growing towards. This is what we're trying to do. And they're impacted by our history. They're informed by where we've come from, who we've been. They are impacted by our culture and our current community and the context that we are in. And the thing is, sometimes these are unspoken, but they are always seen. These are the social contracts that we've agreed to, the standards of behavior that we can count on with one another and the principles by which we know that we're safe. We know what to expect from one another. So when discussing Grace Church's values with the leadership team and with the teaching team, the good news is there was agreement. <laughs> there was a general consensus of what our core values are. Sometimes different words or examples were used, but I would submit that they can be summed up under the headings of belong, become, believe. This is something that we hear repeated often, but we might not always take the time to think through what do those actually mean? What values do these represent? Belong, become, believe. This is the distilled, easily repeatable version of our core values. But before I share some of the, my detailed thoughts and our team's detailed thoughts about these, I wanna open it up. And I'm curious what you guys think our values are. We're gonna go through it by the headings, the value, value headings, if you will, of belong, become, believe. But if you're not sure where it fits, throw it out anyway. That's not, don't let that stop you. Um, and it might fit in multiple places. That actually is a good thing. But what do you guys think? When you think the values that we're living out or the values that we are working to live into, what values do you see that show belonging, a commitment to belonging? Inclusion? Yeah. Hospitality? Absolutely. Openness? Shared leadership? Yes. Yes. Safety? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Grace. What about becoming? Hmm? Oh, tables. Oh, pickles. Yes, pickles. I intentionally didn't hear that because I don't like pickles. But you're right, you're right. We learned about the, the process of you know, not pickling, but fermentation. I was going to say full submersion. I don't know, but then that's getting into other theological things that I don't want to. I don't want to touch. That's not what. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, so pickling, or pickles, pickles. Participating. Process. Giving people a chance to get up and do things, knowing it might not look like you would do it, and that it might not be great. That's how we learn. That's how we become. That's how we grow. Sharing leadership and giving away leadership is a huge part of becoming, for both parties, I would argue. Yeah. 
Yes. Absolutely, to, to, to kind of sum that up. I'm going to try to sum it up in fewer words, but you let me know if I'm missing the mark. But just like the idea that the shared leadership on its own is something that we value. But looking deeper, it is because we all have been called into the royal priesthood. We all have been called to step into our role of ministry, our role in the church, our roles of what we've been called to do. And so the shared leadership and the lack of a single person allows us to live out that value um, very practically. Is that? Yeah. Ooh, fearless truth. Yeah. No, I think that is fantastic that we are flexible, that we are open, we are willing to get it wrong. We are willing to let people in with us in the process where we're still figuring things out. And as we journey with others as they are also in process. We learn from them, and that informs ours. So there is a symbiotic relationship within that as well, when we are, allow ourselves to be vulnerable and to be open, and that we believe this is a safe place to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I don't want to cut anyone off. They are just, like, chomping at the bit to say something. So raise your hand if you need me to stop. Those are fantastic, and those absolutely are in line with some of the things that the teaching team and the leadership team came up with. And so I'm going to, kind of as a bit of a roundup, share some of the things that we shared, and there will be some repetition, which again is a good thing, right? Like we want what we as a community are saying, these are the values that we see us living out. We want to be saying the same things. We want there to be alignment. And so if we are looking at the value of belong as this umbrella term, this represents our commitment to being a safe space, to being a refuge. Then it talks about our focus on hospitality and authenticity. So these are things that you guys all shared because it is easier to feel like you belong in a place where everyone around you is are who they are. They're saying who they are. They're allowing you in on that process. It's not some shiny thing that you feel like you have to live up to or live into. 
you are allowed to be yourself and you know that it is safe to pull up a seat to the table. You're not going to have the seat yanked out from under you. You're not going to find out that you're at a secondary table. It's safe. You belong here. One of the things that I that Jennifer pointed out that I thought was really interesting is that the way that we value belonging isn't finite. It isn't limited. I was in a sorority in college. We would often hear the phrase, once a kappa, always a kappa. And I feel like that ethos aligns with how we look at belonging. When you come in, you belong. But that belonging does not end when you walk out of the doors. Whether you walk out of the doors on a weekend, we still belong to one another when we are going about our lives. Whether you walk out of the doors forever because you no longer feel like this is the best place for you to have a church home, you still belong, for better or for worse. Once you're here, you're always here, right? You still belong. You're still a part of us because we all have given so much to who we are, to the makeup of this community. You can't tease it out, and so we live into that by showing people that they still belong. They still belong. This is still a safe space for them. Um, and our value of belonging also explains our use of team leadership. Again, you guys get an A+. You've listed all of these. Um, we have a leadership team. We have a teaching team. We have a worship team. Like We believe in the team because it shows us that not only do we belong to Grace, we belong to the same church, we belong to the same group, we belong to each other. We are accountable to each other. We are supportive of each other. That We are here to encourage each other, especially when we miss the mark on our way to becoming. Because if we're talking about becoming, that would include a focus on justice, gospel-centered curiosity, which are two phrases that you don't often hear together, but I would suggest that we live that out regularly here at Grace. This is a place where we have a willingness to be flexible. We are open to people changing their minds, to changing practices the way that we do things. Betty practices becoming by leading the book study on reparations. Teresa is practicing it through her work at the library and with Canopy. Janie and Mark do this when they support the work of Magdalene Serenity House. And Katie, you're doing this every time that you nurture a horse and the souls of others as you work through their care. Each of you that have helped at the perch, that have helped somebody move, have let someone borrow your truck, when you join a table group, this is becoming. This is us practicing becoming and living into that call. And if you're anything like me, sometimes hearing, okay, becoming is action-oriented. Becoming is practice-oriented. That can be overwhelming. So I would like to speak over you the soothing words that a friend of mine used to repeatedly speak over me when I would start to get overwhelmed. You're already doing it. You're already doing it. These are not necessarily things that need to be added. Maybe, but maybe not. 
you are already in the process of becoming. And maybe not so soothing words, the process of becoming never ends. This is always something that we are doing and that we are able to encourage one another in and step in to. So as we celebrate and cheer each other on in this never-ending practice, we're able to remember things like that our why is always Jesus, which Betty talked about a few weeks ago. And then John shared last week this quote about our vision that I think is helpful as we are thinking through, why are we doing what we're doing? Why? Beyond our why being Jesus, John shared, our vision isn't a static belief in a doctrine or a certain way of doing things, but a constant practice of responding to the circumstances we live our lives in, in a way that moves us more and more into the kingdom of God. So we're able to move in response to the spirit and to be open-handed in the ways that we practice because that's not where our trust or our belief is held. But here's what we do believe in. We say that everybody has something to give and that everyone has need. We are mutually indebted to and supportive of one another. There's a vulnerability that comes with that belief. We talk about abundance and the idea that there is always enough. And we talk about belonging. And when we do that, we have to believe that it's not just that you belong or that they belong, but that I belong. Each of us actually belong. It applies to us. And as I was thinking through those things that we believe and those things that we repeat, again, repetition can reveal what we value. But I was thinking through them, I just stop and think, do I believe them? Do I believe all of these? And the answer is, some of them are things that I want to believe. I want to grow into that. And so if you find yourself in the same boat thinking, oh, I don't actually know that I fully believe that, we belong to one another and we are all in the process of becoming. So the things that we are believing, sometimes it is still a process, right? Um, but I also think that it is worth spelling out that when we say believe, we do not mean you must believe like I do. You must practice like I do. You must look like I do when you are living out your faith. Believe is not code for mandate or fall in line. Um, it's an invitation instead into a relationship with Jesus. It is an invitation that we are taking together. This, in part, is because we don't think we have it all figured out. That's part of our belief, right? That's why it's important to know that our why is rooted in Jesus and to know what our vision is because sometimes we're like, we're trying, I don't know. But as the lead mentor in my seminary program writes, the greater the amount of knowledge you accumulate, the bigger your island gets, but the greater the shoreline of the unknown becomes. In short, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. So by valuing curiosity, we're setting ourselves up for a belief that includes a vast shoreline of the unknown. 
but because we belong to a safe community, we can continue exploring and discovering that vast greatness and goodness of God. In our teaching team meeting, Alex brought up the fact that value has cost. There's a cost to the things that we value. And he also shared that sometimes it can feel like there's tension between our values. And I would submit that this is especially true when we are walking into a group with our personal values and are coming against communal values. Sometimes even if they feel aligned in practice, there can be some, some tension there. And we've already talked about valuing flexibility and trusting in abundance um, and desiring to be a safe space. And we're getting the opportunity to live that out in a couple of weeks. We're about to change our meeting location and our meeting time. And we are practicing our value of flexibility. And I'm going to guess that we are all going to realize that there are costs associated with it. They might be costs that all of us feel. They might be individual costs. But there will be a cost to living out our value of flexibility there. We're also having to trust that there is enough, enough margin in our day, enough grace with one another as we figure out our new practices and just new routines, what this looks like. Honestly, that there is enough support between us that this is successful, that we are able to make it through this experimental season intact. Um, this is also a lived example of the sometimes felt tension when we're practicing our values, because it is important to us here that this is a safe space and that this is a refuge and that people can feel comfortable here. Yet, we know that for some of us, going back to a traditional church building doesn't feel safe, or at least makes us apprehensive that we won't feel safe. And I don't know that there's an answer that just takes this away, but what I do know is that our, our value of belonging and trusting that that means us too, each of us, and mutuality can help provide the support that each of us need personally as we communally live out where we feel called to. The Barrett Value Center claims our values are important because they help us to grow and develop. They help us to create the future we want to experience. So as we're preparing for both our short-term move to Central and then the long-term move to the Perch, it could help us to remember that our values are helping us to grow. They're helping us to develop, and they're helping us to create the future that not only we want to experience, but we want our community writ large to experience. These are steps towards that. And we've talked before about unity being corporate humility. So in other words, for us to experience unity or agreement, it requires all of us to recognize that our personal preferences, our opinions, or ideas cannot always win out. Look, this isn't a fun lesson to learn at five or seven. Ask me how I know, because I am regularly bombarded with questions like, mm, nope, nope, but this isn't good for me. Like, I get it. It's also not a fun lesson for me. Like, it's not like you grow out of not getting your way being something that's awesome. Again. Great song choice, because it keeps coming back. Um, I mean, this is why we're talking about the cost. But when we are able to trust that each decision was guided by our shared values, 
and rooted in our why of Jesus and is moving us toward our common vision, it does make it a little bit easier. That's one of the reasons we're sharing these things, so we know what those are. There's not just an assumption that we're all on the same page. One thing that I do think is important to note as we're discussing values is that often other people can more easily identify our practiced values than we can. This is due to the same phenomenon um, that often sees us explaining our failures as situational. <laughs> like, you don't understand. This is what happened. Whereas we look at the failures of someone else as a character flaw. Um, it's the same, same internal process that we're, we're working with because we know our intentions and we know our beliefs and we know who we'd like to be. So when our behavior doesn't align, we can explain it. We can explain it away. But other people don't live in our heads. And so what they see us doing tells them what our guiding principles and values are in practice. I think this is a helpful thing to remember. Because when Tim was in his master's program, he came across this study looking at corporate values. And he found that in very basic terms, naming a value doesn't create the value. Just because you say it's there doesn't mean it's actually lived out. But corporations will very often name it and just like hope that that builds it into their culture. This is backwards, right? Like the, the values that we named are there because we're seeing them. It's not like we're saying, this is who we're going to be, and then like trying to figure it out. But we probably all have been part of an organization, maybe, maybe a job site that says they value family. I've seen that Alex lives what he says he values. I've also been part of an organization that they said they valued family, and I realized quickly that did not mean mine. They did not care if I saw my family or not, and the family that they were building was very dysfunctional. At best, toxic as a more honest reflection. Um, I've also been part of a work environment that said that they valued fun. And I spent a lot of time working around thinking, do do any of you know what fun is? <laughs> like, I don't think we just have different ideas. Like, I don't think you even know what this could look like. We cannot say that we value these things and not live them out. We can talk all we want about valuing belonging and that being a driving thing for us. But if people don't walk in our doors and feel welcomed, I do not immediately feel like, oh, this is a place where I could be safe and where I could belong. And it doesn't matter. We have to practice and live out what we are saying we believe. We have to create it. This is part of it. So two, two small caveats to the we have to see what we're saying. And I've already alluded to one of these, but our, our vision-based values are probably aspirational. So there are going to be times where we say we want to be this, and we look around and realize we're not there yet. And in those instances, I think a good check for us is to ask ourselves, but are the things we're doing moving us towards that? We might not be there yet, but is this a realistic trajectory? Like, is that where we are headed? And I think also just organizationally speaking, something that we can pay attention to as we are moving into a new place and a new time, and just the newness that we are going to be experiencing in this next season as a community. 
it is common for our practiced values to be an intuitive response to where we are and to be an intuitive response to our culture, to our community, and to our context. Those things might be changing. So we need to work together as a team to like really take this team approach and to make sure that the values that we say we have are still ones that we hold. I'm not anticipating that the long become believe will not still be the categories, the umbrella under which our values can fall. But there are times that values just aren't static. They're not. They're a representation of who we are, where we are, and when we are. And so if we're noticing that what we say we value is no longer in step with that, that's not a bad thing. It just means that we need to start having more conversations and making sure that what we're saying is where we're going or who we are. Because values might be a difficult word to define, at least for me, but we know them when we see them. To belong, become, believe. When we hear this, may we remember the values that are wrapped into that call. As we move into this time of reflection and the worship team and those serving communion come up, I would like you to consider your values, your personal values. What personal values do you hold and how are they reflected in Grace's communal values? Where is their alignment? And how might your values inform our community? And on the flip side, how might Grace's values inform our individual, our personal values? We talked about mutuality in the symbiotic relationship. Where are we seeing that? Are we seeing that? And as we take communion, we remember one of Jesus' values, which is a welcoming table. Everyone is welcome. And at the Last Supper, Jesus instructed his friends to do this, to eat, to take this meal in remembrance of him. So when you come up and get the elements, go ahead and, and take them. Um, this is also a time that we are reminded, like I said, that we all have need. We all have something to give. So there is a box for the offering over there. You can also do it online. But this is a time where we are able to live out the values that we have as a community. So let's do it. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. If you would like to give, you can go to gracechurchnwa.org forward slash give. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.